Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. So the next question is from M. In the, so I recently confronted my husband after I discovered he has been using escorts regularly over the past few years. I reacted poorly, accusing he, oh he. he reacted poorly, accusing me of pushing him to it. He is angry with me, even though he is at fault. I went to get him help for the sake of our children. I don't think I will ever trust him again. Do you recommend me trying again with him to get him help since he is clearly in denial? Or do I move forward with contacting an attorney? Well, I can't answer that question because I don't know to what degree he believes he has a problem or to what degree he's willing to save his relationship over it. I don't know if he understands that he can lose his relationship over this and that you're not just threatening or, you know, calling out, oh, by the way, don't, I recommend that none of you, nobody threaten abandonment unless you mean it. If you tell us addicts, well, if you do this one more time, I'm leaving you and then we do it again and you don't leave. What we've learned is, oh, well, we can get away with anything. So one of the things I would not use as a form of anger and to throw someone at throw at someone is I'm leaving because if you're leaving, you better leave. Um, but as far as this question, um, I, a lot of people are not going to like this. I think it's great to get a lawyer. I don't think it matters whether you stay together, you don't stay together, you separate your money, you don't separate your money, but you need to know what will happen if you do and how you can protect yourself and how you can take care of yourself. You're living with someone who's lying to you. And when you found out about the lies, got angry at you, I, I have to tell you, but there's probably mm, at least a third of the men that I treat are supporting sex workers, are supporting girlfriends, are buying thousands of dollars of jewelry and taking them on vacations or just giving them money to live. So, you know, uh, uh, sorry. So when you were thinking about an attorney, I would be thinking about, I wonder how much money is going out the door, not to mention time that could be given to our family or our kids or whatever. And you don't know. So I'm not saying, and I want everyone to hear this. I'm not saying divorce. I am not even saying necessarily not to live together, but I am saying that when you say to an addict, I am taking care of myself and I am looking at my options for self-protection because I don't trust you. That's a pretty big statement that you matter, that you're taking care of yourself and you're not going to put up with this crap anymore, even if you never act on it beyond getting the information. So do I recommend that you move forward to contact a lawyer? Absolutely. Do I agree that that might lead to leaving or not working it out? Or I think that's a separate issue. I think you have to take care of yourself and do what you need to do. Look, somebody could be hitting you and you need to learn how to deal with abuse, but that doesn't mean in a year or two when they worked on themselves and they stop doing that and they become a decent human being that you might not still want to be with them, but you might go to a shelter and, and see a lawyer in the meantime. So, um, all bets are off until he says, I understand that I have a problem. I understand that it's hurt you and our family, and I'm going to work on it. And I'm so sorry that I um, blamed you for my problem. And if you don't hear that out of him, you're heading in the right direction. Um, that's all I can say. Tammy? 
No, I, I concur. I often tell people contact an attorney is you, you need, you need to know what it would look like. Otherwise it's, you know, whatever you make up in your head, but every state's laws are different. You have children like you, you taking care of you and the children. That to me would be the most meaningful thing, you know, and uh, you know, there will be natural consequences as a result of his behavior, whether it, the natural consequences are I choose to get help. I choose to get qualified help and change or, you know, things continue to devolve. That's up to him. And I want to add to that, Tammy, is to my point is I recently confronted my husband after I discovered he's using escorts regularly. Escorts are not cheap. And it's not unusual for men I work with to fall for an escort, to get involved with one in particular. You know, I am worried about your finances. And I don't know, maybe you have lots of money and it doesn't matter. But there's no mother who has said to me, I couldn't use a few more dollars in my kid's college account. You know, nobody, no matter how much money you have. Or I could have used that money to go on vacation with my children. or, You know, and I just have no idea how much he's spending. But his reacting poorly tells me an awful lot uh, about how much he's lying to you. And get an STD test for you too. So, oh, all of you, please. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the next question: Can you talk a bit about why my addict spouse accuses me of being controlling? He gets text messages. Some contain pics, videos. I have requested to see them. His response is that he doesn't know or is interested in who texts him, so he just deletes them. Texting other women was part of his acting out behavior. He constantly accuses me of trying to control his life, and I'm always going to hold his past over his head. Tammy, do you want to start? Oh, my I gosh. Not this say is very like, nice things. Yeah, this is like, so he, he, the behavior that he was, was problematic for him continues. There's text involving other people he apparently doesn't have hasn't blocked numbers because i don't get random texts from just anybody i mean it just doesn't happen um so is his sponsor or therapist getting the the report on um, does he have filtering software on it you should have the password to all of his things him deleting it you can still find the deleted text it's harder but you could you know you you can be tech savvy and find those things so trust me other betrayed partners know how to do that they'll they'll tell you exactly what to do but his blaming you and calling you i mean it's exactly what we're talking about you know that he's still blaming you not taking responsibility and and until and unless he says, I'm really sorry that my past behavior and continuing behavior, you know, is problematic for you and I'm going to work on it. You may be going to this consult the same divorce attorneys that right. other people have, too. So, And I want to add to that, that when someone blames you um, for looking, what they're really saying is um, I'm, I'm covering up my stuff. And the more I can make you the problem, then it's like a smoke screen. I can deflect and make you feel bad about yourself. And then I don't have to feel, and then it's just like I threw you in another, I threw you somewhere to distract you. And this is all a distraction. By the word, I was going to use that A word again. I'm sorry. This person's an asshole. I mean, how awful is this person that you're involved with, that, um, that they're continuing the behavior, that they're blaming you, that, um, that they're, you know, and by the way, texting, I'm sure that there's a whole lot more going on than texting. So, hey, Tammy, I got the third call from the same number. Give me a minute. Okay. I'm going to start with this one. 
I'm a male addict. I have been very busy uh, work schedule, especially in spring, summer, and fall, where I may start as early as 5.30 a.m. and work as late as 9 p.m. or around then. Are there therapists who, that work around these hours affordably? That's one question. Is there an, even an option? I work every other Saturday, so I don't know if that's an option. Any advice, tips, suggestions would be appreciated. I didn't take time off to work to act out. I acted out around work. I can't afford to take time off of work. So, so yes, there are qualified therapists that you know work and they have different hours. And you know, so so email me, Tammy T A M I at seekingintegrity.com with your location, and I'll see what I can do to find that. But but here's the deal, you know, you're joining this live, great. Well, there are drop-in groups that are free. Yeah, they're not therapy, or but they're good support, and there are all kinds of times of the day and on the weekends, and um, there's previously recorded webinars. You can watch these on. Let's see, I got to get this right on sexandrelationshiphealing.com. This one, you under resources, you'll see previously recorded. So there's support things you can. I mean, I know lots of people who have headphones in while they're working, and you know what? They're listening to a podcast. They're listening to the. You, what was the, the recorded webinar? You know, so there's lots of ways to get good stuff in and support. At the end of the day, though, at some point, it is how important is my recovery? What am I really willing to do? You know, and it may be that you, you know, go, I'm going to take my lunch at 3 p.m., you know, so that I can work with my my therapist. You, many of them are are doing, you know, virtual, they still need to be licensed in your state. But, but, you know, I have to believe that if you put your recovery as primary, you know, yes, you need to work, but is there a way to do it so that it balances out? So um, as far as affordability, I don't know anybody's pricing, don't ever want to know. I don't know who takes insurance, who doesn't, don't care. I will give you a list of qualified therapists that would be for you to, to check in. Um, but there's some, there's some really good options and those work groups, you know, we have those, those are on the weekend too. And, you know, so you may be able to plug into an, a low cost work group on seekingintegrity.com. So. Well, I have a, 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 you know, I'm a therapist. I don't know if you knew that Tammy or not. So I, I'm, I kind of figured that out, but thanks for sharing. As a therapist, sure. No problem. Mm -hmm. As a therapist, I, I look at things, I observe things. And sometimes I see, see things that others aren't looking at or may not come to them because that's my job. So one of the things I see in here that we haven't talked about is I may start as early as 5.30 a.m. and work as late as 8 p.m. So let me put it this way. You're never going to get sober. Never. Um, when I have men come into treatment, that, you know, they hear things from me like, remember when you worked 80 hours a week or 60, that's over. That's over. If you want to restore your relationship, if you want to heal, if you want to have a life worth living, then you can't work that many hours. You know, it's like you have a heart condition. You know, you have to rest more often. Well, in our case, we have to, it's like diabetes. We have to go do the maintenance that helps us to stay well. So the first place I go with this, forget the therapist. And by the way, think about it. If you're trying to figure out how to work a therapist into your, which is one hour a week from home, I don't see you going to lots of meetings. I don't see you going to support groups. I don't see you in group therapy, you know, or going to intensives or treatment. You're working your life around your recovery. You need to work your recovery around your life. And so this, what disturbs me about this whole question is that your focus is how can I fit something into my busy schedule rather than my whole life is on the line. And what do I, you know, you wouldn't, if you had a heart attack, 
you wouldn't be worried about when you could fit in the doctor on your busy schedule. You'd be lying in a bed getting taken care of. You are ruining your life. How much time would you like to take to help with that? And the justification of like, well, I didn't act out at work. You know, like, it doesn't matter. That is, that's inconsequential. So, so great. You didn't act out at work. That is not the safety net. Um, So I agree. If, if you're not focused, like for me, I had to take, I, I work a lot of hours. It's not my best. It's not my best thing. Uh, and when I first got sober, I had time off. Like I had months off while I got my poop together, sort of, you know, like I had to move in a different direction. It took me time. You know, I, I needed that space. I went to so many meetings every week because I needed that to focus and get a clue how to do life. I'm, I'm grateful that I, you know, figured out how to manage to do that. It included for me moving back home with my parents. It wasn't, I mean, like that was, I was willing to do that. It was that important to me to do life differently. So I want, I want to add to that, Tammy, which is, I don't know if you saw the last two sentences. I didn't take time off of work to act out, which means work was more important than acting out, Mm -hmm. but I acted out around work or at Mm -hmm. work. So I'm sorry, you can't afford to take time off work, but you have time to act out in the workplace. Do you understand that doesn't make any sense? (laughs) That that time you're spending acting out could be time you took off work, could be time, or if you really so focused on fricking work, it could be where you were making more money and working more. So, and by the way, addiction escalates. So if you think you're taking some time with it now, give it a year and see how much time you're giving it. I I just, you know, in this situation, I feel badly for you. I'd rather you weren't looking for help because you're not really looking. You're just sort of trying to figure out what is the minimum you can do to try to solve a lifelong problem. And you might as well save your money. I mean, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. You have to make this your focus in life. Um, And right now, and by the way, I can't afford to take time off work. Yes, you can. You can take time off from work. I don't care if you have to, you know, get on the bus and get rid of your car. How much do you want to get? How much do you want this? We know people who are in prison. We know people who've lost their careers. We know people who, and I mean physicians, people who, you know, work 10 years to get their career together. They don't question um, whether they need to take time out to do this. They understand everything they have is on the line. And I don't think you quite get that yet. I moved back home with my parents. (laughs) So, Hey, Tammy, can I tell you briefly about my narcissistic personality problem? Sure. Let's talk about you. Yeah, (laughs) because it plays out right here. Because, you know, when we started, we had 71 participants. And then we had Mm -hmm. 69. And then we had 67. And, of course, I'm thinking, what did we do wrong? What did we say? Why did the six people leave? I have to interview them and find out why they didn't like it. I mean, because that's my narcissist. So I'll just ignore it. And that. I just go, people come and go. Thanks for being here. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for hanging out. Oh my you don't God, know we lost two more people. And it's okay. It's okay. Thank you for staying. It's all good. it's all so about here's, me, right? Here's the next question. Okay. Just recently sober from both addictions, SA and AA, and experiencing something unusual. It's not, because we've already talked about this. It's not. It's very normal and a little scary. I'm now having anxiety and panic attacks. Is that normal side effect of being sober and raw with all feelings and not numbing out or acting out to cope? Yes. Yes. It's very uncomfortable. You're actually experiencing real emotion. You know, I, we, I talked to this person this morning. We talked about some 
grounding techniques and mindfulness. There are things that you can do to manage through that. But understanding that, yes, you've numbed that out for years, decades, you know, now you're going to feel it. I shared this morning too, that when I first got sober, you know, I was in an emotion and, and the sponsor, whatever said to me, what are you feeling? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just feeling, and it's a lot and I hate it. And I did. It might've even been a good emotion. I don't know, but I was so uncomfortable. So not used to experiencing those because I numbed them out so much. So, but you know what I learned, I learned to a appreciate both the negative and the positive emotions and not swing through. Cause I was like, you know, like on the pendulum going, the only time I was in the middle was when I was swinging through to the other side. So it's, oh, it's okay. It just like, there are so many tools to use to, you know, to comfort ourselves and calm ourselves, but being prepared for that before it happens, knowing I'm going to be triggered. I'm going to be anxious. What am I going to do? I'm going to have a plan. And as soon as I start feeling those, I'm going to, I'm going to use, like I had three different things I could use so that if I wasn't able to do that one, I was able to do this one. There, there are so many techniques, but just know that it's unusual for you, but it's really normal. Other people experience real emotions Welcome to the human world. I have a, a slightly different take, which is I can do anxiety and fear and worry and be all the map over the map emotionally, but panic attacks worry me because like I've had those when I was driving and it's terrifying. Like your heart is pounding and you know you're, you're, you feel like you're going to run into another car. You're just this wave of anxiety. So I do think that that's certainly worth seeing a doctor about. Um, I'm not saying they're going to give you more drugs to replace the drugs that you were taking, but there, you know, it, 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 we, we have a, um, a concept in addiction therapy, which is that people are often replacing um, what they might use as a medication. Like I might be on Prozac to help with anxiety or whatever, but that's because I drank to deal with my anxiety. It didn't, but it was still an underlying issue that had to be dealt with. In other words, I was self-medicating is what we call it. So I agree with Tammy, you should be having raw feelings. You should be overwhelmed. Um, you should be, and not only that, but you took out, you took yourself out of two, not one, but two major problems that are distracting and give you a chance to leave your emotions. And also, you know, you're used to having not just one, but two different ways to disappear. So the intensity of what you're feeling, I don't doubt. And I agree with Tammy, it's very healthy, in fact, and uncomfortable, but healthy. However, if your anxiety is such that you get overwhelmed and you can't go to work or you don't want to drive or, you know, it really starts to affect your being functional um, or is scary to you, then I probably would see someone about the panic attacks because that, that isn't, uh, that isn't as, uh, that, that may make things worse for you really, rather than dealing with that. And then see a qualified professional who gets addiction and isn't just going to you know, pop you some pills so to manage. I mean, you want the right medication. If you're gonna, you know, like you want to be seen by somebody. I, you know, I say if you're, you know, this is like going to the cancer specialist. You want the right person. You don't want to go to your GP and you know hope that they can figure it out. So, so if you, you know, if you go that route, but I would, you know, I don't know your level of anxiety. I know my level of anxiety was I hated it. It was highly uncomfortable. And I learned some techniques to manage through it. And, you know, and now I have an appreciation for both joy and, you know, for pain, you know, so like the joy better, got to say, but 
Next question. Thank you so much for this gift. The podcast has been a great help to me. I'm a 27-year-old gay male who has struggled with porn addiction for 15 years. You skipped years. a question. No, I'm in answer. No, the, like, he started, the one, oh. no, the one person came, like a whole bunch of them. So I pulled oh. them in. So but I'd like to answer that question, if you don't mind. And then we can go on to the next one. I don't mean to be rude, but he started. I think that's a good question to ask. Yeah, I, I already answered. We already answered that. Oh, the out of the doghouse question? Yes. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I did want to say something about that, if you don't mind, which is... Um, out of the Doghouse is a book and a process for men to understand and have empathy and compassion for someone they've cheated on, a woman. But it is not a guide to recovery. And I see a lot of guys like, oh, I'm doing Out of the Doghouse. Great. You'll learn how to be a kinder and more loving partner or a husband. But it isn't going to get you sober. Um, and so, you know, if you want to get sober, you have to do the sex addiction 101 stuff or the porn addiction 101 stuff. You have to focus on your problem. One of the reasons why I think men like out of the doghouse is because it's a direct line to how do I get her to forgive me? How do I get her to feel better about me? How do I get her? But that's not your primary concern, even though you think it is. Your primary concern is to stop the behavior. Um, and unless you do that, it doesn't matter how well you show empathy and compassion through doghouse because it isn't real. Um, you're just going to do it again. So anyway, thanks, Tammy. I want to get that out. Oh, somebody put for your narcissistic personality. Um, somebody said, don't worry, Dr. Rupp. They probably are leaving due to Tammy, not you. So, ah, <laughs> well, we just lost another six people. Oh, so it's all fine, go. but I just cracked up. I said, oh, it's dinner true. time. That's why. Okay, let's well, hang is this on. the one you want to. I like we, we have we started this okay. one. So, so okay, 27 year old gay male have struggled with porn addiction for 15 years. I'm in my first romantic relationship with a man and we have been dating for one year now. I told him I have a porn addiction and he is supportive of my recovery, but I have not told him that I sexted a few strangers on social media since we've been together and I feel horrible about it. He is also the first person I lost my virginity to. He wants to move in together and eventually get married one day, but I don't think we should do any of those things until he knows every part of me my question is what do you suggest would be the best way to put everything out there i don't want to mislead them any more than i have already this is thank you for sharing that and being so vulnerable so dr Rob, and what i would you also say? well i would also say that you don't want to put everything out there to overwhelm your partner you know you may say things that he is not ready for that might overwhelm him that he doesn't understand especially since you are just really beginning to understand this yourself I will say that I wrote a book for gay men who are sex addicts. Remember, I've written 10 of them, so I have lots I can throw out at you. It's called Cruise Control, Understanding Gay Men and Sex, Understanding Sex Addiction in Gay Men. And I think you'll find it very helpful if you haven't read it, because it really defines the difference between healthy sexuality and uh, unhealthy sexuality for addicts, because uh, gay world is very... Um, is a very uh, has a very different sexual norms than the heterosexual community. And it's kind of like being an alcoholic in a bar. Everyone's drinking. So how to define what is healthy or not for you is maybe, well, this is why I wrote the book. But um, so one of the most painful things that I hear from spouses is I can't believe that he asked me to marry him without telling me everything that was going on in his life. I feel cheated because I didn't have the choice 
as to whether I wanted to be with this man or not, because I didn't know everything about him. So I really admire you and appreciate your desire to make sure that he does know everything about you before he commits to living with you. But part of my question is, um, are you sober? Have you changed your behavior? Are you going to S meetings? Are you, are you going to therapy? You said, I have a porn addiction and he has supported my recovery. What is your recovery? And why are you sexting strangers on social media? Um, yeah, you feel horrible about it. Maybe you could work on not doing it. So one of my concerns is that it's very difficult to tell a partner what your history is if you're still actively doing it because they are barely understand it. They're just gaining insight into it. And you're continuing to hurt them as you're explaining it to them. And, you know, I think that's problematic. You're not going to do it perfectly, but boy, you need to let them know more. So here's what I would do. I would, hopefully you're in therapy or seeing a therapist. I would invite your partner to come into therapy or go to theirs and say, you know, I want to be in a safe place to talk about these issues. It, it's, it's very typical for us to minimize, to avoid, to, you know, play it down to, you know, we don't want to lose them. We don't want to hurt them. I think you need guidance and support to work. I wouldn't do this alone. How about that? I would use guidance and support both for yourself and your partner to work through this. Um, he may be angry. He may not want to be with you. He may not want to move in with you. He may not want to marry you, but that is your responsibility to be honest and let him make his own decisions. And by withholding information from this person, you're basically manipulating them. And boys are going to be bad if they find out three years from now when you're married that you lied uh, while becoming uh, engaged or whatever. So two pieces of this. One, you need a professional to help hold you accountable and guide you through this. Two is I would not marry someone or have them move in until they had some real sense of what was going on because I need to give them the option of whether they want to be with me or not. Um, yeah, Tammy, do you have anything you want to add? Well, I, the only thing is I'm just so proud of you for like being here and, and looking at how can I do this with integrity? So I, like, I, I really appreciate that you're exploring that. And, and, you know, I have, I have hopes that the relationship continues and that you guys can navigate it together. So that's all. May I say one more thing? Sure. Um, I love the fact that in 2022, you could take out the word, word gay male and put in, I'm a 27-year-old guy or a 27-year-old woman, and it would be exactly the same because these issues have nothing to do with gay or straight or brown or yellow, or they're human issues. They're part of the human condition. And you talk about, and every spouse knows this, I'm in my relationship. I have an addiction. They're supportive of recovery. I've been sec. I mean, this is all the stuff that everybody says. So I want to tie that to, it's just human, uh, the human struggle and addiction. And it doesn't matter who turns you on or what turns you on. What matters is you don't want to hurt yourself or other people. Um, right. And, and he wants to be transparent in the relationship. I, you know, I think that that's fantastic. So good. Can I say one more thing? <laughs> you said he's also the first person I lost my virginity to. And while that may be true technically, um, you know, if you've been looking at porn for 15 years and you've been dedicating, you know, have you been having cam sex? Have you been having, you know, have you been sexting? Have, I'm not saying that you were physically touched, but emotionally um, and in terms of your behavior, you're no virgin. Um, physically you may be or may have been, but you have way too much knowledge and experience to look at your life that way. Um, yeah. So I'm not saying that you didn't lose your virginity to this person, but I think to look at yourself in that way might be kind of uh, being a little naive about who you are. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, 
please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.